I'm going to read the word of the Lord. If you're able in body, would you stand with me today because you've sat for a while now, so I think it's important that you stand up, stretch out a little bit, and I want to read with us today, or read with you today, I should say, the book of Psalms, chapter 103. I'm going to read. You're welcome to look on the screen. But I want to talk to you today on this expecting it, because if we're going to expect a miracle, we have to position ourselves for it. And we talked about having a climate for miracles because God has seasons for a reason, obviously, and how those seasons can change to give us a shift for our, for our betterment and to position us for a miracle. Then we talked about how to literally live in an abundant place last Sunday with the Lord. And today is one that's important because Psalms 103, verse 1 through, set, 1 through 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities. That would be your sins, your failures, your faults, and heals all your diseases. What are the benefits of God? Forgiveness of everything you've said, done, or thought about, and to heal you of all forms of diseases. I want to speak to you this morning on having a miracle mentality because nothing is impossible with God. And when that gets beyond your mind, down into your spirit, the igniting of possibilities come and you can receive a miracle. I want you to see today in the Word of God how to have a miracle. What are the conditions for the miracle? And you need to see today, God wants you to have a miracle more than you want the miracle. That's his promise to us as his children. So let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. Let every word that Joey Stillman says fall to the ground. And every word that comes forth from you, let it come and change us and help us to become everything you created us to be. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said... Amen. Now, before you sit down, turn to your neighbor, left and right, and say, your mama did good. Just go ahead and do that. Maybe on the other neighbor, say, real good. This depends. <laughs> you know, your mama did real good for you, Pat. Give Pat a round of applause. Pat is an awesome man. The whole worship team, phenomenal. Now, I want you to realize today, those of you that are here and watching by the way of the internet, that our God is a God of miracles. The next time you're remembering that, that what you don't have or remembering the things you didn't get, I want you to realize today, God is a God of miracles. You know, a lot of us didn't have certain things raised with. You know, if you're like me, you didn't have a mom that, that was really able to take care of you. My mother was very ill since I was little, so I was the baby of the family. And as the baby of the family, I was unfortunate in that, that, you know, my mother was so terminally ill as I was born in my upbringing, you know, until we were 11, and then I was left out of the house. But I don't have memories of being cared for or being held or, or the, the words of a mother. And that's why I just so appreciate uh, Jennifer. We call her in church the first lady, the first lady. I so appreciate Jennifer because she represents what Proverbs 31 is all about, a godly mother, an entrepreneur spirit. But that's why Proverbs uh, woman is so important because it gives attributes, not that the one woman would do all those things, but that women are equal in those areas with men. One is not weaker and stronger in the area of life. They complement one another. And she has modeled that to me now uh, as we're getting ready to be married 20 years, 19 years going on, 20 knowing each other. And so I just love you and appreciate all 
that you do with our children and, and give a godly Proverbs example of what a godly woman is. We thank you for that. And the church thanks her for that. Can we thank Jennifer for that? So it's really, a, it's really a miracle that we are because when we think about our lives, where we've come from, what we've been through, some of you should have been dead. Some of you shouldn't even have been living right now. Some of you are in some difficult positions and God's brought something for you that what we would call a miracle because God is a miracle working God. And the genesis of time, remember, it was God who created out of dust and he built in that handful of dust a man. He breathed into that man and that man became became a living soul. That is a miracle. Out of the man's side, the rib, he took this rib out, the woman, and he created this beautiful helpmate for Adam, this beautiful woman named Eve. In the Old Testament, the word for Eve is beam, like the structural stability of a home. And that's why a woman is so important, because it's by a woman that we come into this earth. And that structural beam is the foundation in the survival of the home. That's why the first thing that Satan did, he attacked the beam. He attacked the woman because he knew if he can attack that woman, it would delay the structural foundation of the home. And when he created Eve, it was a miracle because he told her, go be, be fruitful, Adam and Eve, and I want you to multiply. In other words, multiply the miracle that I have provided for you. That's a miracle. It's a miracle that he separated the night from the day. He flung those stars into the backdrop of the night, and the scriptures say he knows each one by name. Scientists are trying to locate those stars through the Hubble telescope, and God says, not only do I have them numbered, but I know each one of those stars by name. It's one thing to know about them. It's another thing to know those stars by name. I can see God going, there's Charlie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Susie, star number 8,768,000,000. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Jose. That's my star. He knows each one of those stars by name. He is the God who sets the sun ablaze in his version of the eternal flame. That's a miracle. The scriptures say he holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand. He breathes miracles. He is a miracle. He doesn't bow to anything or anyone. Think about how creative God is. He creates something out of nothing, or he takes something that's existing, and he creates a beautiful thing out of it. Out of the dirt, he creates man. Out of substance, he creates light. Out of nothing, he creates the sun, the moon, the stars. It's so amazing to think about it. How about him breathing life into a dead womb of Sarah? Sarah, who was 90 years old, he breathes life into that womb. Her husband, Abraham, is 100 years old. Now, you may not want that much power, but God makes it available. You may not want that type of power. It may be enough for you already, but I'm telling you, it's a miracle. How about breathing life into a dead womb like Sarah? But how about bringing life into a womb that's never seen life like Mary? Here's the virgin. She's without knowing a man. And God comes and through the power of the Holy Spirit, breathes life into that womb of Mary. What a miracle that is. From both of them produces life. Why? To demonstrate to demonstrate to all humanity, whatever circumstances you may be in, God can make a miracle happen in your life. 
That's important to know. Let's walk for a moment through the pages of the miracle manual called the Bible. We call it the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving this earth. God wants you and I so heavenly minded that when you live on this earth, you're going to do it good. That you're going to establish the kingdom of God on this earth. Jesus said something important. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you have to know as a believer today, what does God have on heaven's grounds and what does he have on earthly grounds? Because the God of the natural is the God of the supernatural. It's the same God. The God that created giving that wasn't come up by the Baptist organization. It didn't come by the Presbyterians. God established giving for his church. That God who created giving, that God who created life, that God who created the sun, the moon, the stars, that's the God who says to you and I, you want what I have because I've deposited in you, me, my spirit, and you can have the kingdom of God right here on this earth. So what's in the kingdom? Is there sickness in the kingdom of God? Is there doubt in the kingdom of God? Is there lack in the kingdom of God? In heaven, is there unbelief? Is there diseases in heaven? Are there, are there situations in heaven that we experience on this earth? In most cases, it is not. How about God doing something so creative, so supernatural in your life, in others' life? How about when he, God parts the Red Sea for Moses and the two million Hebrew slaves that have been in bondage and slavery for 413, 30 years, and God miraculously in a day brings them out of bondage. He departs the Red Sea. He lets millions of people walk across dry shod, and then Pharaoh and his mighty army come, and they try to uh, capture back their slaves and God drowns Pharaoh and his mighty army into the sea and turns them into fish food. Why does he do it? To show he's a God that can conquer all forms of dictators. He's a God that's greater than anybody that would try to oppose his people. That, my friends, is a miracle. He causes manna to fall from heaven for 40 years, literally drops from the sky for 40 years, and they eat the manna. And the Bible says there's not one sick or feeble among them for 40 years. That's a miracle because of what they ate. We call that in the New Testament the Holy Communion. When you and I take partake in the communion elements, the representation of the blood, which would be the juice, the representation of the body, that would be the bread, you are eating your way to divine health. Friends, that's a miracle. It's not the juice and it's not the bread. It's the one who took upon you and me the sickness and disease and he put it upon himself. And because of the broken body of our Lord and because of the shed blood of his son, you and I have healing and we have freedom. That, my friends, is a miracle. We're not trying to be healed. We are already been healed. We're not trying to be forgiven. We have already been forgiven. It's a miracle. He caused the water to gush out of a dry rock. Water enough to literally water and refresh millions of people plus their livestock. How many gallons of water gushed from that rock that day? I don't know, but I can tell you it's a lot because he's the God of miracles. He's the God who holds the stun still for Joshua and Israel so they can fight the enemy another day. He's the God who muzzles the mouth of the lions 
so Daniel could lay down the prophet of God and have a restful night's sleep. Daniel lays on a fur-lined couch and sleeps the night through while the king who gave the order walks the halls in his mansion having the first Maylock moment in human history. Why did I say that? Because he is the God of miracles. He walks through the halls. He walks through the fire. He walks through the floods. He walks through the storm. Our God is a miracle working God. I told you that to tell you he can do a miracle for you today. He can walk you through the fire. He can walk you through a flood. He can walk you through sickness and disease. He can walk you through disappointment and rejection. He can walk you through anything that's been battling you, any unloneliness, any depression, any disease. Our God is great. He's a miracle working God. Can you put your hands together and thank God for his miracle grace? He's good like that. He's good like that. And when God wanted to send his son, he didn't send him like Rome and the people in the first century were expecting. See, they wanted a Messiah that would come and rule by force. They wanted a Messiah that would come and overthrow the Roman Empire and do it immediately. But when God wanted to send his son, he didn't send him as a supreme sultan riding on a milk white stallion with a two edged sword in his hand, chopping to bits Rome and their uh, vicious army. No, as a matter of fact, he sent his son in the womb of a virgin in a baby, a cave, the baby that was helpless and innocent. A baby that immediately upon arrival, they make a decree that all children two years old and under shall be executed and slaughtered. Friends, there's nothing new under the sun. Now you're seeing in the political realm that they're executing and slaughtering all these innocent children. What's the point I'm making? The God of the universe knows that the miracle that lives inside of his creation and the enemy knows that the miracle lives inside of God's creation. And if he can snuff it out, then he would have. And he tries to snuff it out now, he would have. And that's why he tries to snuff you out and take you out and put fear on you and depression on you and shame on you and disease upon you. But God says, no mas. I do not want my children to live in fear, depression, shame, sickness, and disease. I want the kingdom of God to manifest right here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So God does something amazing. That son, Jesus, he defies medical science. He defies the agnostics and those who would try to belittle his virgin birth. Those who would try to discredit him. Where is Rome today? Where are those that have come against the Son of God? Who have come against his people? They're in the ash bins of human history. Where is Rome today? They are but a memory. They are but an absolute defeated memory. Where is Egypt today? An absolute defeated memory. Where is Germany today in the Third Reich with the systematic slaughter of God's children? They are the systematic slaughter now of God's people and now God's put them to shame what's my point the enemy will come and try to put shame on you try to put sickness on you try to put disease on you and God says I have no tolerance for that when it comes against my children I'm the one that makes a way where there seems to be no way you may not understand it you may even not have the, the full concept of it but God's delays are not God's denials you may be battling something but God's fighting for you. He's fighting for your healing. He's providing for you. All you need to do is stand still and see the glory of the Lord. That's important to know because when Christ came to this earth, that son became the healing Jesus. He wanted to manifest to mankind the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his son 
that whosoever would believe in that son would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. What life, Joey, is that? Biological life? No, that's already been established. What type of life are we talking about? A life of abundance, a life of prosperity, a life of vitality, a life of hope, a life of strength, and a life of optimism, an abundant life. There's a difference between living a life and having an abundant life. There's a difference between existing and living. There's a, there's a difference between enduring or enjoying. There's a world of difference. And when Jesus came to this earth, the first thing he did, remember, there's lots of rabbis that went around in the first century that claimed they were the second coming of the king, that they were the Messiah. There were lots of people that called themselves rabbis and taught the Torah and taught the word of God. What was the difference with Jesus? The miracles. Because God wanted to establish on this earth the kingdom. And God, through his son, showed what the kingdom of God is like. That son, Jesus, showed the miracle-working power of God the Father. He healed the deaf. He healed the blind. He healed those who had disease, those who were lame. One day he touched the blind man. One time, and the Bible says he was healed. On another occasion, he touched a blind man, a different blind man, two different times. He touched him, and he was instantly healed. On another occasion, he didn't do the first thing or the second thing he took dirt and spittle and he put it on the ground and he mixed the mud and he put it on the blind man's eyes why in the world did he do that because every Hebrew knew that there was healing power in the firstborn of the father and Jesus was saying to all the Hebrews of that were there I am the firstborn of my father and I have healing power why is that important because he touched one guy one time, he touched the other fella twice, this time he does a weird thing. The point is, you may not understand the channel, but God Almighty's the source. How he brings the healing, whether by instantaneous one time, two times, or going through a situation, a doctor, or a situation of circumstances, God Almighty is the source, and he is the healer. God wants to heal. He's a provider. I implore, I, I tell you that today, because he heals every form of disease. How about blood disease, specifically like leprosy? Why? Because leprosy was a death sentence. If you had leprosy in the first century, you were just on your way to an early grave. You were on your way to your death sentence. The only thing you could look forward to was dying. I said that to tell you today, that Jesus healed blood diseases then, he can heal blood diseases now. The Jesus that the healed the paralytic then means he's the healer of every nerve disorder now. The Jesus that healed the centurion's son then, who was at a distance and far away, he can heal at a distance and far away now. I want you to understand that because there's no distance in prayer. The Bible says something amazing, that Peter walked down the street and literally the shadow of Peter, people were being supernaturally healed. This is not Jesus. This is a man filled with Jesus. What's the point? Jesus said to you and I, the church, the church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. Where are the people? The church is never a building or an organization or a denomination. The church are the people in this room. You and I represent the body, the Lord Jesus Christ, the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece. We are the compassion of the Lord. That's why some of you that depend on the government for everything, be careful. 
because the government that gives you everything has the power to take away everything. Jesus called the church to operate in the kingdom. He told you and I, we are the church and greater things shall you do. Why? Because I've gone to my father and I've imparted into every one of my sons and daughters the kingdom of God. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose down on earth will be loosed in heaven. Most of us wait for God to take the initiative. But friends, I'm telling you, God has already taken the initiative. He's already conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's already conquered sickness and disease. He's already made Satan a public shame, opened him up to ridicule. He made a public spectacle of him, triumphing over him at the cross. God's telling you and I today, receive the inheritance, receive the kingdom, receive the healing. I've provided the way. All you need to do is receive it. I tell you that because sometimes when we talk like this, you say, well, Joey, man, you're just kind of, you're just trying to get my hope up. You can't have faith without having hope. Of course I'm trying to get your hope up. If you've ever been sick in body, it puts you down. If you've ever battled with children that are a little bit troubled or incorrigible, it'll bring you down. If you ever battled with mental illness, it'll bring you down. You ever battle with depression, it'll bring you down. You ever battle with poverty, not having enough to make ends meet, it will bring you down. So you cannot have faith without first having hope. And what happens when you start speaking in this hope form, people say, well, Joey, I like that, but you don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand how God works and I don't understand this thing and I don't understand that. And many times what happens is we sit here, we hear messages like this of faith, hope and optimism and we disqualify ourselves. We say, well, I can't qualify for that. You don't know what I've done and you don't know the things I've said. You don't know my background. You don't know my upbringing. You just don't know. And I don't understand all that Bible stuff. I don't understand the scriptures and I don't do what what you do or what others do and that's that's good for them but not for me see that's important to understand when you're dealing with miracles because you'll never be able to explain a miracle fully as a matter of fact you cannot explain electricity fully do you know how electricity works nobody on the planet fully knows how electricity works but every time I go into the house and it's dark I immediately go to the light switch and turn on the light because I don't want to sit and live in darkness. I don't fully understand electricity. And if the light don't come on, I ask Jennifer, did you pay the bill? What's the point? The point is I don't live in darkness when all I have to do is turn on the switch. I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand. I don't know about y'all, but I do not understand how a black cow eats green grass, produces white milk and yellow butter. How does that happen? Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I don't drink the milk and eat the butter. I don't know about you, but I love butter. I don't understand women and I'm married to one. But if in life, if you only live in a place of your full understanding, in other words, if you are only willing to experience what you understand through your little lenses, it's going to be very difficult for you to receive a miracle. 
how you lived, how you were betrayed, how you were raised, how your mama raised you, how your daddy wasn't there, how you were mistreated, how the church you've come from in the past was all weird and religious and silly, how these things happen. It's going to be difficult for you to receive a miracle. Are you in need of a miracle? Have faith in God. I didn't say have faith in faith. I said have faith in God because faith will do something. Faith will start out before you ever know how it's going to turn out. And here's what faith does. It responds to the fact God loves me, he's for me, and he's not against me. The Bible says that type of faith that starts out before you know how it's going to turn out, it gives us the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. And guess what it says in Hebrews 11:6? Without this thing called faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. I think about that verse often when I talk on these subjects because I think many people, they've heard that scripture before and they immediately disqualify themselves because here's what they think. Some of you are thinking, I could read lips, by the way. You're thinking, I'm disqualified. I don't have enough faith for healing of my body. I don't have enough faith for reconciliation. I don't have enough faith for this. I don't have enough faith for that. And because of that, it's impossible for me to please God. But that's where you are wrong. You're dead wrong. Because Romans tells us to every person in this room that believes is given something. A measure of what? The thing that brings the victory to every believer gets a measure of it. So there's nobody that disqualifies themselves from receiving a miracle. Because if you are a believer, and if you're not a believer, all you have to do to become one is simply believe in the Son of God. Believe that Jesus died for you. He paid the debt you couldn't pay. He did things that you could not do. You receive his life. He exchanges his life for your life. You become a born-again person. That means the old things you love, you now hate. And the things you hate, you once loved. And now things start to change. You don't do it. God does it in you. Do you realize today that every one of us that has a measure of faith has victory on the inside of us? We have healing on the inside of us. Jesus said to us, greater things shall you do than I've done. The one who healed the blind, raised the dead, caused things to just be crazy impactful for God and the kingdom. That Jesus said, you're going to do those things. You say, well, not me. I can't. I'm disqualified. I don't have the victory. You do have the victory. God has given every one of us a measure of faith. And here's how faith will grow. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every time you make church a priority, every time you make the reading of the word priority, every time you get around faith-filled people. See, some of you, you don't get around faith-filled people a lot. You get around with chickens. No, those are duck chickens. I'm talking about, I'm going to get my stuff right. Or you get around turkeys. I can do the turkey call. And then you get the turkey chin. You don't want that. But it's hard to hang around with chickens 
clucking everything, always looking down, always clucking in the dirt, and are becoming a person that hangs around with turkeys, always making weird signs, weird signals. And when God's not designed you to be a chicken and he's not designed you to be a turkey, he's designed you to be an eagle. And an eagle is the one who rises above the winds. He's, he's designed you to take flight like an eagle. And when you become a person with a mentality like an eagle, you start to develop more faith. It's like if I go to the gym, me looking at a weight ain't going to build the muscles. I can, I can get a treadmill, buy it at home, but if I'm not careful, I become like many of you and it becomes a place I hang my pants. These are the signs that need ironed. These are need cleaned. No, that's a treadmill. You need to run. But what happens is we get it, we look at it, we don't use it. It's like us in life with God. God's given us this amazing victory, and God says, you're going to have to use it. you got to develop it. That means when you have a headache, God, I thank you that I'm being healed of this headache right now. Why? Because there might be something that the enemy tries to put on you later like cancer or diabetes. And the God that healed you of the headache, your faith has grown. Now you can believe him to heal you of cancer. The God that healed you out of that $10 debt, now you got a $10,000 debt. And the God that healed you and brought you victory in the $10 can bring you victory in the $10,000. You have to believe God in the little things so God can be the majority over big things. That's how faith begins to grow. So as we close our time this morning, I want you to understand the Bible says in Mark 16, 17, these signs shall follow them that believe.